The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. first reading says that they were all gathered in the upper room. Who were gathered? We know the apostles were gathered with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other disciples as well, men and women. Basically, all that there was left as a seed of the church, all gathered in one room. That's how small the church was at the beginning. And they were praying. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit came, was poured into their hearts. We just heard they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So filled, soaked, immersed in the Holy Spirit. That was the first time that the church received the Holy Spirit in such a way. But from then on, the Holy Spirit kept coming. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, he keeps coming to the apostles, to the disciples, to the communities, renewing them, connecting them with Jesus, with the risen Lord, connecting them among themselves, giving them the gift of, of love, faith, hope. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in a visible way, like this, like this or in this opportunity. It was very tangible. I remember once uh, I met a man, he came to visit us a couple of months ago to our house of studies. And he, so he lives in Detroit, but he lived for a couple of years in Ireland, in Dublin, as a missionary. And he told us that they were once uh, leading a mission in one parish in a poor neighborhood in, in Dublin. This was in the 80s. And they were working with a group of youth. And... These kids were not really interested in the Holy Spirit or in Jesus Christ or anything like that. They were there, but not really connecting. And they were trying to preach the gospel to them, and they were not listening. It was not happening. So one of the leading leaders of the, of the mission said, you know, this is not working. Just, just let's pray. So he said in, in a loud voice, come, Holy Spirit. And guess what? Holy Spirit came. And the kids, you know, started to cry. And they wanted to go to confession. And they felt something changing within. It was amazing. From one situation to the other, like that. 
So it was a very visible way through which the Holy Spirit came, in which the Holy Spirit came. So often it happens in, in a visible way, but more often he comes like in a quiet way, in a gentle way, in a more, we would say, liturgical way. And that is uh, what is, this Mass is about. It's about praying, come Holy Spirit, upon the church today, upon each one of us today, as we are here, as we open our hearts. In that time, as we, as we said, no, the, the, it was really tangible. The, the interior process of the apostles, of the disciples, was accompanied with three visible manifestations according to the scripture. The first one was the fire, the second was the wind, and the third one was the gift of tongues. Three manifestations that were precisely signs pointing to the reality of who they just received. So let's take a look at these signs. The first one is fire. The sign of fire points to the reality of love. The first and most important effect of the Holy Spirit is a renewal in love. Because the Holy Spirit himself is the love between the Father and the Son. It's a creative love that comes from the heart of God to our hearts, renewing our capacity to love in God's term. We love in our own terms, with our own little heart. That is small and it's limited. We are not able to love in the way Jesus wants us to love. Because he said, love one another as I loved you, remember? So we cannot do that. We cannot love one another as Jesus loves us without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he renews our capacity to love. He expands our hearts. He gives us first what we then have to offer uh, to others. We don't have that love to offer if we don't receive it first from the Holy Spirit. Of all the gifts that we need from the Holy Spirit, the most important one is this one, the gift of love, of supernatural charity. This conviction that we are loved by God and this capacity to reflect that love to the ones around us. St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, If I speak in human and angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he says afterwards, of all the gifts that we can receive, the greater, the greater is love. The gift of supernatural love that is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He says in the letter of the, to, to the Romans, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So we already received the Holy Spirit. It's not that we're going to receive it today for the first time. Of course not. We're baptized. We receive the Eucharist. We receive once the confirmation. So the Holy Spirit comes all the time. 
but we need it all the time. We need to be refilled. Imagine that husband says to his wife, do, do you love me? And the wife says to him, told you five months ago. Why are you asking me again? So, you know, we need to listen to that again and again. And we need to feel it also again and again. Uh, you know, the memory of being loved is good but not enough. We need the reality of being loved today, right? So the same with God. We know in our heads that he loves us. But we need to experience that again and again. We need to be reminded. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us that love so that we can offer it to others as well. And offering to others and receiving from God, it's like a cycle. We receive it from God, we offer to others. And as we offer to others, we are more open to keep receiving it. The more we give it away, the more we, op- we empty ourselves, the more we are able to receive. The more we want to keep it to ourselves, then we are filled right away. And we cannot keep receiving from God. So the church is a good training field to exercise that charity. It's a good training field because in the church we receive the Holy Spirit, but then we are invited to put it into practice among ourselves. And that should spill to others, overflow to others as well. And why do I say that it's a good training field? Because in the church, you will always find someone that gets on your nerves. Always. You will always find someone that irritates you. And when that happens, you don't walk away from the church. On the contrary, you stay. Because then you're being trained. Then you're being put into test to you know, make that love that you receive from God really work. Then you can be sanctified. Saint Jose Escrivá would say, don't say that person gets on my nerves. Think, that person sanctifies me. Isn't that good to remember? That person is sanctifying me. How would you exercise patience, humility, charity? And how would you see your own impatience, your own pride, your own selfishness without that person that challenges you? If everyone is nice, if everyone is easy to relate to, then how would you put all those muscles into work? In the church, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you learn to look at the good news of the person first, of each person. See, we cannot look at the good news and at the bad news of a person at the same time. Cannot do that. You either look at the bad news first or at the good news first. If you look at the bad news first, that will eclipse your capacity to see the good news of that person will completely cloud it. But if you look at the good news first, that will contextualize, put into context the bad news of that person. So you see Susan or Will, I hope there's no Susan here tonight, but but Susan or Will or whomever coming, and you start thinking, oh, here comes this Susan with her untimely comments, her boring remarks, 
her unkind manners, her narrow-minded judgments. So as you think that, that clouds completely any, anything good about her. You cannot see the good news of that person. You're clouded by your judgments about her. Even if they are somehow true, partially true, you should think first, here comes Susan with her, with her unique idiosyncrasy. She's so unique, nothing like her. Her constant service to the church, her generosity, that will put into context her defects. You will still see her defects, but within the beauty of each person. You will see her as God sees her. And you will be able to love her as God loves her. Because that, that is what God does with us. He looks at us through the good news that we have. Try it. Try to do that. Whenever you're having a difficult time relating to a person, first call the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Connect me, connect me with the heart of Jesus. Give me his vision about this person, his love about this person. Anoint me with your love. And then pray for that person. But don't pray, Lord, here's Susan, help her. She's so annoying. Don't do that. Because that, that prayer will, will come back to you. Hmm? You should say, thank you, Lord, for Susan. I, I, it's so good to have her here. I thank you for her presence in this community and for her presence in my life. She's so good. Look at this. She comes every week and she's always helping with this or that. So you somehow present the case to God and you speak good about her in your prayer. And then only after you did that, maybe you can say, Lord, and by the way, maybe you can help her with this or that as well. No? You will see how much your love for Susan is renewed. And you will feel the love of God you know, running through you to her. And as the love of God runs through you, also his, it stays. It makes, you, it makes yourself um, closer to him. You can apply that to your family life. How often we need to do that in our families. To your workplace and into the world. That's why I say that the church is a training field that then overflows to your you know, to, to, to everywhere you go. So that is the first sign of the love of God that came upon the apostles as, as a flame of fire. And because they were able to love, the, you know, to love in, in such a way, the church grew. The second sign was the wind, and this will be quicker. You know, wind stands for movement, for life, for power. And it also stands for mission. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You never know where it comes from and where it goes. So Jesus founded the church so that the good news of the gospel would reach the whole world, all nations of all time. Jesus founded the church for the sake of the mission and for the sake of the world. To call everyone to know and accept the joy of the gospel. Form them in Christ and send them into the world to be salt and light. We are not in the church like a, 
a club of like-minded people. We are brought together by, by the Spirit to live in Christ. And we are very different. We have different political views, different backgrounds, different languages, different ages, different race. We're brought together. That's why the Catholic Church is such a powerful sign, regardless of her weaknesses and faults and all the things that we hear about her. She still is a lighthouse because she has this capacity to bring us together. And we, we are different. We think in different ways, in many, in many things. Sure, in, the, in this church today, we have some Republicans, we have some Democrats, we have some, of course. That's why St. Augustine said, in essentials, unity. In doubtful matters, liberty. In all things, charity. What brings us together is so powerful. We believe in Jesus Christ. The third sign is the different tongues. They were able to understand each other. The ones who were there that day, you know, pilgrims from all over the world were flooding Jerusalem because Pentecost was a Jewish celebration. And they all could understand the apostles. So this is the church as well. We are Catholic. We are universal. We host every tongue and race. And this is the, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing us together, bringing unity, healing every division, drawing us together in Christ, helping us to understand each other, where we come from, where we are at, teaching us how to listen, how to be attentive. And as you see, these three signs go together. The more we receive the love of God and exercise it, the more we become missionary, because the more attractive we become. And the more we are missionary, a missionary church, the, 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 the bigger we get, and, and our doors are open, and people feel invited to come, and we are able to understand each other, and we express the, the, the richness and the diversity of human race. Come, Holy Spirit, renew us in love, in mission, in unity. Breathe your presence upon the church today, upon each one of us today. Restore, heal, renew. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs>